It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Better Faster Cases. This is for our Patreon listeners. And once again, I want to sincerely thank all of our Patreon followers for actually paying for this content and helping us keep the lights on. All right, so this is visit two out of two for the young gentleman that we had a follow-up session on who had acute mechanical low back pain. I want to make a side note real quick that this kid was self-pay. And our our self-pay rate at the clinic is $120 per session. I think it's reasonable. We could actually charge more. But I do keep into account the fact that, you know, people need to be money conscious, right? I'm a Dave Ramsey guy. It's during a pandemic, right? We don't know what's going to happen a week from now, much less three months from now. So, you know, the idea is to get people feeling better and get them moving as quickly as possible. So paint the picture for you. Subjective portion of this follow-up visit uh he came in saying that his pain had been averaging one out of ten which is awesome right we're just a few days later and he said that what he experienced was tremendous relief was super compliant got the exercises done every single day as prescribed had a little bit of what he described as as post needling soreness but that went away within 24 hours and he's been able to move he actually started deadlifting a little bit on his own said he went light was playing around 135 pounds and it felt good he actually did a workout that this is a little backwards, right? He did a workout that consisted of thrusters, yet he's fearful to do squats. And the thruster does require a squat past parallel, but uh, requiring a little bit more, it was more so he's a little bit afraid to squat with load on his back. So great, that's something we can we can work on. Uh, also made a note that he has been doing quick, powerful movements with no issues. So he's been running 200s, 400s as part of the CrossFit workouts. He's doing some box jumps and he has been doing some cleans and some snatches, but he's been pulling from the hang and landing in the power position. And that's been feeling good. So quick, quick re-examination. Didn't spend a ton of time until I just wanted to look at our asterisk signs, right? See what's going on. So we went through um, just a few items of the SFMA top tier. Multi-segmental flexion was uh, still DN, dysfunction, not painful. He's a little bit tight, but no pain, right? Great. Multi-segmental extension, functional, painful, very, very mild pain, a little bit, still a little pinch, as he described, at that in-range extension. Uh, multi-segmental right and left rotation. Right rotation was once painful. Both of those were FN, functional and normal, functional, non-painful, functional, normal. I kind of use those ends uh, synonymously. So let's get started with the session. 
had a little bit of a pinch, feels good, takes 10 seconds. I went ahead and cracked him. Quick lateral recumbent body drop technique, pop, pop, both sides. We get up off the table, manual therapy's done. So what I like to do with people who are a little more active and when they're feeling good is take them through a dynamic warm-up. And we've done an episode about this in the past, uh, about the purpose of a dynamic warm-up, right? The, the intent is, uh, achieves all the purposes you'd want with the normal, right? It gets your central nervous system primed for activity. It increases your tissue temperature, but this also gives you a chance to rehearse some general skills, right? So, you know, if, if the, the session or the workout's going to have a little bit of hinging, a little bit of lunging, we should probably do that as part of the warm up. It's also going to prime the mobility that you already have, right? It's not, we're not, you know, spending two minutes moving an ankle and doing some banded mobs in this case, but we're actually going to take as many joints to as much range as possible to get it ready. So the first time they get exposed to that is not whenever they're performing some kind of a, a lift or resistance exercise. So, that warm up, the way I sequenced this for him was he got on the floor, he did some leg overs, and then he flipped over, did some scorpions. Kind of looks like the rolling that we did the first day. We get up and we travel a distance of about 20 meters doing each of the following movements. So knee hug into a lunge, which is basically just a, you know, pull your knee to your chest, quick glute stretch and step into a lunge. Uh, we did a quad walk, which is like a traveling quad stretch. We did elbow instep, which is essentially the world's greatest stretch. Really nice just to get a little bit of a stretch on the hip flexors, and we get some good rotation through the T-spine, lumbar spine, get that shoulder warmed up too. We did a cradle walk, a lateral lunge, which is essentially a side, uh, side squat, and an RDL walk. So... Went through that. He's feeling good. No pain with any of those movements. You know, and, and another thing too about that diamond warm up, it can it can be a little bit of a movement screen in of itself too, right? When somebody does, you know, say the RDL for example, and maybe you're not liking what you're seeing in terms of you know, them rounding their back or something like that. That's something you can kind of keep in mind that you can break out later on and work on in the session. So from there. We got started with the first exercise and I got him on the GHD and had him do some Sorensen holds. I wanted to use this as a treatment and an assessment. So I had him do two quick sets of 30 second holds to warm him up, kind of teach him what the movement in the test should look like and get him ready for the test. So two quick sets, 30 seconds, then I had him do a max effort hold so we could document that. And he was able to hold that for a minute and 36 seconds. When I do the Sorensen test, if they start to drop or falter anyway, I give them one chance to correct it. And then as soon as it happens the second time, we stop the test. Or of course, if they want to stop, they're painful, they get fatigued, they get maxed out, whatever. Those are reasons why we'd stop that. So 136 ain't bad. I generally like to have people do that for two minutes and that just seems to give us a little extra assurance that they will be able to safely use those lumbar extensors in different patterns, especially the deadlift, which is how the gentleman got hurt. Um, maybe less likely to get injured. Um, but again, we got to be careful going on that road, talking about verbiage of injury prevention, because there's very few things in the, in the strength and conditioning, physical therapy world that have truly been shown to prevent injury. But we got to do something. We got to try something. We can't just say injury prevention. We can't, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So I digress. So after doing the Sorensen holds, uh, while he was fresh, I wanted to go into some compound bilateral lower extremity movements and specifically the patterns in which he got hurt, right? So we can build that up, get stronger, get confident. So we loaded up a barbell and I had him stand in the rig with the barbell on the pins that were maybe about shin height, knee height, something like that. And 95 pounds on the barbell, we did two sets of Romanian deadlifts at a three, one, 
x1 tempo so three seconds on the eccentric one second pause came up as fast as he wanted to one second pause at the top we did two sets of eight reps on that technique was pretty good there was one thing that i wanted to correct on that and that was his head position so uh, essentially what he did as he went towards the bottom position is he would look up he would extend his cervical spine now this is one of these one of the many things that is debatable, right? In the in the strength edition and physical therapy fitness roles, whatever. Um, whenever we do Olympic lifts, right? When we do the the clean or we do the snatch, we do typically keep our head up. We look at the horizon. Uh, we know that whenever you look up during these lifts, it actually triggers a, a primitive reflex where it, it fires off your extensors, right? It gets those recruited. I should say, uh, fired off, and. But the downside of that is whenever you extend the cervical spine, you're also going to get a bit of a local extension lumbar spine. So local extension, what I mean by that is like anterior pelvic tilt, that sort of thing. And, and this is a gentleman who's already kind of presenting with what I thought was some facet joint issues where he's kind of crunching down on those. So that's something that I cued and corrected him to do. We started with you know, ensuring that he was breathing, bracing properly, taking that fat breath that we practiced on the floor last time with the crocodile breathing. And basically what I cued him was just to pack his neck, pack your neck. A lot of times they just do it automatically, right? They give themselves a really good, you know, cervical retraction, tend to get a lot of neck rolls, that kind of thing. Um, sometimes I will actually take an object, just the first thing laying around. It could be an extra plate, it could be a loose theraband, and I'll actually throw it on the floor, usually somewhere between six and eight feet in front of them so that they can actually fix their gaze and look at that as they travel down. So we did that, and I talked to him about the importance of that. There's a couple of parlor tricks you can do where you can basically have, a, have your patient stand with their feet together, bring their head down, but never touch their toes. They'll have a ton of lumbar flexion. Then you'll have them look up at the ceiling and keep their head up in that position, bend over and touch their toes, and they lose a ton of range, right? So it kind of illustrates the point um, with why you want to do this, especially in a hinge pattern. So uh, taught him that. Had him do one more set of RDLs with the 95 pounds just to get the pattern down, get the feel for it, and he was able to correct it and maintain it. And then we went ahead and worked on his deadlift, pulling from the floor, right? Because he'd already done it, and, you know, this was this is really one of our terminal tasks. This is how he got hurt. So our job's not done unless we actually test his movement. So what we did was we took our time, and we spent six sets working to a heavy three. All I had him do was work up to 60% of what his – previous estimated one rep max was so our final set we did a set of three at 205 he had a lot more in the tank right he could have easily probably pulled 315 for three might have been ugly but my thought process is part of what got him in here in the first place the fact that he didn't necessarily respect the timeline and he had an acute spike in his workload compared to you know what he'd been doing the previous several months so i, I wanted to also kind of nail that point down that we just need to take our time going slow get strong so um 205 technique was solid there really wasn't anything i needed to cue because this showman is 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 pretty good at the way he performs movements now I, I did call an audible on this um i was going to put in some squats as part of a conditioning piece but when he came in the door I said listen you know I'm, I'm a little bit fearful of doing some heavy squats i said all right let's 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 throw some weight on let's see what we can do so what we did was i had him start with a barbell front squat and i had him go barefoot too um he does wear lifters oftentimes whenever he limpet lifts and, and goes heavy um but i said listen if you can do this barefoot then you know lifters are going to be a piece of cake so i had him do front squats for 
three sets, eight to 10 reps, and we just put 135 pounds on the bar. The reason why I had them do front squats first, because that's a little more of a knee dominant type of squat. Um, we all tend to be a little more upright in, in that position because of where the weight's placed. Um, kind of puts that center mass a little bit anterior to our base support. And plus just the fact that you're really, really fighting to maintain that, that upright thoracic extension posture um, in the front rack position. Felt good, no issues. Uh, we then went into the barbell back squat barefoot. I just kept the weight on there the same again because I'm just trying to increase his confidence and not spend a ton of time onto it. Had him do three sets. He did three sets of 10, classic three sets of 10 with that. Felt good. And we just talked about, listen, you know, this is something you hadn't done for a while. We, you know, we need to be really mindful about how we program this. And, you know, it's like, listen, I can give you a chart if you'd like and I can show you what to do from there. So we did that. Then I wanted to get him into just a little bit of just rehab, right? Some trunk specific stuff. So we spent some time doing, we did four sets. Um, this was like a, a C1, C2, so kind of superset of half kneeling single arm press with kettlebells. And we did four sets, 10 to 12. We started with eight kilos for the first two sets and then progressed to 12 kilos for the last two sets of that. And I like the half kneel press because it's harder to cheat, or at least it lets me see a little bit easier if they're cheating. It also almost, almost honestly becomes like a little bit like an anti-sideband, anti-rotational actually, an anti-flexion extension exercise. They have to stay braced, keep their trunk neutral as they're pressing that kettlebell overhead. Uh, he did that beautifully. No issues there. Uh, normally, I would superset a vertical press with a vertical pull, like a lat pull down or a pull-up variation. But I actually had him do bent over rows instead, and we kept the same weight, same rep scheme. We did four sets, 10 to 12 reps, uh, started with 8 kilos into 12 kilos, but I chose the bent over row because just getting started in that position, just assuming the setup for that, they have to go into a hinge, right? They have to go into almost that RDL position. And then as they're performing the row, they're getting a really nice isometric contraction across those uh, lumbar extensors, those paraspinals, multifidi, all the above there. So he handled those well, felt fatigue in his back, right? Fatigue, but nothing he was afraid of, nothing that he perceived to be a threat. So that was outstanding. Uh, after that, we had roughly 15 minutes to go in the session. So what I had him do from there was an AMRAP. We did a 12-minute AMRAP of 10-calorie assault bike at 8 out of 10 RPE um, into a slow standing pallet press with a red functional fitness band. I had him do 15 reps on each side so that we could catch his breath a little bit, move a little bit slower. And then we did a trap bar carry. Trap bar carry at 75% of his body weight for 200 feet. So that ended up being 150 pounds for him. And we cycled through that for 12 minutes. Uh, I told him that if he started to have any pain, whatever, if he started to break down and he was unable to, to break down as in break down his technique and he was unable to fix that with just some simple co cueing coaching, then we would modify it, add in some rest rates, things like that. But um, he kind of liked that, right? Crossfitters like to get their heart rate up and like the challenge and that kind of thing. So he did a really good job with that. Then after that was done, I got him on the floor. We did some bretzel stretching. Um, when I get people in that bretzel position, um, once they're kind of chilling in there, that for a minute or two, we'll talk, right? I, I like to talk a lot with my patients just a lot of times about things beyond rehab, about life, about stuff like that too, but also have them work on some breathing, right? Some nasal breathing. So where they're basically in the bretzel, you're all twisted up and side bent a little bit, and I'll have them think about breathing through their obliques, all right? So kind of breathing through the upside um, of, that, of that flank. So we did that for a couple couple minutes on each side. I didn't necessarily time that um, to a T there. And 
we talked, right? We, we afterwards, you know, I told him, listen, you did great. I, I, we tested things. How do you feel about this? He said, you know, I, I feel good. I feel confident. I was like, listen, you know, this doesn't mean that you can just, I know you're young, you can probably get away with it, but you can't do whatever you want to do. It's, it goes beyond being technically sound and, you know, not breaking down whenever you go too fast, too heavy, or, or work out in a fatigue state. It's more about being smart and doing some linear progressions. Now, he's got some really good coaches where he trains and, you know, get them to sign the HIPAA form and stuff like that. And he opens up the communication between all of us. So, so I'm listening. I'm gonna talk to your coaches about some things I was seeing and just some recommendations I have to just try to give us a little extra assurance that you're gonna be safe. And um, so he was down with that. And really, what it comes down to is just managing volume, managing workload, making sure we're not getting too crazy, going too much too soon, too heavy, too fast, or else you know this could potentially happen again. So. Um, this is also, again, the reason why I wanted to highlight this, this is very, very often a, a similar template for how I handle most of these acute mechanical low back pain situations, especially with our, our athletes, our CrossFitters, our active population. Um, you've got to, you know, make sure that you are addressing everything from, you know, their, their programming to the way that they move to their lifestyle factors, so on and so forth. And you also have to really test the movements, you know, the movements that generally got them hurt are going to be your goals for your physical therapy session. So anyways, hope you found this useful. Hit me up via email, Brandon at vertexpt.com or send us some messages through our Instagram at Better Faster Podcast or even through the Patreon. Hope y'all found this useful and uh, look forward to giving y'all two more episodes next week. Everybody have a great weekend. Give me the range and let me run Cause I ain't never had too much fun This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour Guaranteed The best physical therapy ever Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.